In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Lent is a 40-day journey into the wilderness with Christ as Christ's body so that we might do battle with and share in his victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Lent is a participation in the fasting and temptation of Jesus, which he underwent for our sake. St. Gregory the Great, who was a 6th century bishop of Rome, wrote this, It was not unworthy of our Redeemer to wish to be tempted, who came also to be slain, in order that by his temptations he might conquer our temptations, just as by his death he overcame our death. Perhaps you picked up on it in the great litany, uh, which if you have the ability uh, that the sin in your life was not mentioned by the great litany, then bravo, congratulations, you're a very adept sinner because it covers the whole gamut, right? In the great litany, it says, by your incarnation, by your fasting and temptation, good Lord, deliver us. The fasting and temptation of Jesus was for our sake and in Lent and in the life of the church, we participate and benefit from his temptation and fasting. We know that Jesus died for us, but sometimes we forget that he lived for us, that he lives for us. Hebrews says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. We have to understand, brothers and sisters, that the Gospels, all the stuff before the crucifixion, is not backstory. It's not Jesus simply killing time. Well, I got to do something till it's time for the crucifixion. It's not Jesus merely giving us uh, moral lessons or an example or doing miraculous things to prove that he was the Messiah. The life and ministry of Jesus, they're redemptive. They're salvific. So Jesus went into the wilderness to bring victory where there had been defeat, where there had been failure, Adam and Eve's failure in the garden, Israel's failure in the wilderness. If you're praying uh, morning prayer during Lent, every morning you will be praying Psalm 95, which says toward, at the end, harden not your heart as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So our first parents, Adam and Eve, Israel, the Old Testament church, if you will, the people of God under the Old Covenant. And every single one of us 
have succumbed to temptation, have suffered defeat and failure. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So Jesus goes into the wilderness so that by virtue of our union with him and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would succumb no longer to temptation, but rather conquer it. That's what Jesus holds out for us in this holy season of Lent. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, before I go any further, I need to define some terms. First, world. The Bible uses the word world, cosmos in Greek, in distinct and different ways. I mean, John says, love not the world. Well, wait, John, because in John 3, you know, the, the first we see at football and basketball game, John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The word world can be used and often is used to refer to the creation, the created order, and or to all the peoples of the world, to humanity, which is the sense it's being used in, in John 3. But world, when used as a pejorative, as it is in 1 John, refers to the creation after the fall. It refers to this present age, which is marked by fallenness and wickedness. It refers to humanity without Christ, humanity in rebellion to God. In a similar way, flesh, sarks in Greek, has two very different meanings. It can refer to like literal meat, flesh. It can refer to the human body. It can refer to an entire human person. It can refer to humanity. When the Bible says, all flesh shall see the glory of God, that's all people. But it can also refer to fallen and disordered human nature, to the propensity that we have to do that which is evil, to sin. So when John writes, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, he's using it in the former sense that the word, the second person of the Holy Trinity, became human, took upon himself a complete human nature. He's not saying that Jesus became a sinner, that Jesus became the propensity to do evil incarnate. But when John writes of the lust, and also when John is writing of the lust of the flesh, he isn't saying that flesh, that physicality, that matter, that the human body is bad. That 
Even food or sex and the attendant pleasure with those things are bad. Flesh, in this negative sense, pejorative sense, is a soul that is in disunion. A person that's ruled by the passions. Flesh is speaking of one who is at the mercy of animal or bestial instincts. So the lust of the flesh, that lust which is not just talking about sex. When we hear that word lust, that's immediately what we think with, but it's broader than that. The lust of the flesh would be in any inordinate or disordered bodily desire. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these are the common ways in which we are tempted. And this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. John doesn't pull these categories out of thin air. He gets them from Genesis chapter 3. Remember when Satan tempts Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 6. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. It was good for food, the lust of the flesh. It was pleasing to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. And it was desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. So when Jesus is led by the Spirit to go into the wilderness... Again, this is vicarious. This is a redemptive. This is a salvific act. He's bringing victory and redemption where there had been failure and defeat. And so he goes into the wilderness. In essence, he says to Satan, he didn't actually say this. Hey, Satan, let's run that back. I got next. It's a rematch with the serpent. And Satan doesn't change up his offense or defense. He tries to run on our Lord. The Word made flesh. The same scheme that he runs on Eve. He says, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. The lust of the flesh. Improper use for food. Of food. Um, in this case. And the next... The devil showed him, in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. So the lust of the eyes is an inordinate desire for things of beauty and value. Greed and avarice. So he shows them all this could be yours. It's funny that Jesus didn't say, it already is, by the way. He shows them all the kings of the world, the lust of the eyes. And then he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. The, an appeal to pride. The pride of life. Trying, instead of Jesus re resting secure in the proclamation of his father at his baptism that you are my beloved son. Satan is tempting in his humanity to test the Lord his God. 
and, and to appeal to pride. Wouldn't it be neat for angels to catch you so you don't dash your foot upon the stone? So Jesus conquers in the flesh, that is, as a human being, on the behalf of human beings, the temptations to which Adam and Eve, Israel, all of us have succumbed. take a step back as we journey into we've begun this journey last Wednesday Wednesday into the wilderness of this world and also we can think of the wilderness as this present age as Israel journeyed through the wilderness towards the promised land so now we as the church are in the wilderness of this present age journeying toward the age to come journeying towards life Blessed life forever with Almighty God. And in this life, you will be tempted. And as an aside, I think we can, or at least I'll speak for myself, I fantasize about this day where I'm, I'm going to grow to the point that the Christian life is going to be easy and the temptations that I'm currently struggling with are going to go away. And I'll have a halo over my head and I'll walk six inches off the ground and the angels will bring me apples and things will be great. As you advance in the Christian life, temptation does not lessen. It becomes more severe. Yes, you may conquer the initial bestial, carnal lust of the flesh, but then they, the temptation becomes more subtle and even more insidious. We will be tempted. So how do we fight it? That's another thing we need to... Are, are we fighting it? Are we just doing what comes natural? Well, I'm not, I'm not really... I don't really sense that, you know, this struggle and temptation. Well, if that's the case, most likely it's because you're not fighting it. <laughs> Just rolling with it. So how do we fight it? Well, first, we do not fight it. And the, this whole thing of trying to help us understand our union with Christ in this life, in the desert, in Lent, in his power that we conquer by virtue of who he is, not who we are, that we don't do it in our own strength. But first, we have to be in the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that Jesus went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And that's, of course, Paul speaking of the flesh in the negative sense our fallen human nature, the old man, the old woman, that even as we are Christians, we know from experience, it hangs around like a zombie. That's not who we are anymore in Christ, but we can return to the dead works from which Christ redeemed us. That is a possibility, and that's why we <laughs> confess our sins daily. We go... Second, with the scriptures. Je Jesus 
combats the lies of the evil one with the scriptures, with the word of God. Eve doesn't do that. See, Satan twists what God, what God he, he twists what God had said, and she's like, oh, okay. You know, go, she's deceived. If we don't know the scriptures, how can we combat the lies of the evil one? And as it relates to the three pillars of Lent, and we can think of these as our weapons in the wilderness because we're going into the wilderness to do battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And today I'm focusing in on the flesh because that's our biggest problem. It's not, yes, yes, the world, humanity and rebellion against God is not a great influence for the spiritual life. Of course, the devil's not, you know, roaming to and fro to give us uh, life, but to see who he can devour. But we have to be transformed from the inside out because the enemy is within the gates. The focus is on, okay, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And we have these weapons in the wilderness and the three pillars of Lent uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Fasting is our weapon against the lust of the flesh because through fasting, we learn to rule our passions instead of being ruled by them. And that relates not just to eating, but to the whole of life, that, that we have um, the ability by the Spirit to not be at the mercy of whatever we feel like doing at the present moment. We learn to walk according to the Spirit rather than the desires of the flesh. Almsgiving is our weapon against the lust of the eyes. Because again, the lust of the eyes is a disordered desire for things of beauty and value. So through giving, we detach ourselves from worldly goods and we fight the pull towards greed and avarice. Prayer, which prayer is the whole of the Christian life, in a way, I mean, as fellowship with God. Prayer is not just petitions, of course. But Paul says, pray without ceasing. That's a literal command because we are to ever be in the presence of the Lord, lifting up our hearts to him. Prayer is our weapon against pride. Because humility, and this is just one example, humility is the fruit of day by day kneeling before the Lord your maker acknowledging God as God and your need for him and your need for his mercy. So brothers and sisters, as we are at the beginning of Lent, let us in the power of the Holy Spirit, equipped with the scriptures, equipped with prayer and fasting and giving of our time, talent, and treasure, let us go into the wilderness to do battle with and share in the victory 
over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Share in the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. O Lord, who for our sake didst fast 40 days and 40 nights, give us grace to use such abstinence that our flesh being subdued to the Spirit, we may ever obey thy godly motions in righteousness and true holiness to thy honor and glory, who livest and reignest with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen.